Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 496. And I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink. And wow, 496 episodes. That's crazy. We're almost up to a really big number. 7,000. We're on 7, our way to 7,000. 7, <laughs> like, what, at what point do you just be like, okay, cool, we're done? Never. 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 Listeners. Can't stop, won't stop. No, 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 no. That's right. Uh, it's very exciting. If you are just joining us, we're here to talk about everything that's happening and that we're psyched about this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, and, you know, all kinds of other stuff. Lorraine, tell me something cool. Well, first up, okay, we're going to start by talking about Marvel Studios' The Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale. Mm-hmm. If you have not watched it and it mm-hmm. has not been spoiled for you yet, this is your warning to fast forward a couple minutes, get on past it, and then just enjoy the news. But a big thing happened. That's it. The end of warning. Now it's on you. Whatever happens from here on out is your problem and your <laughs> choice. So Fair. I, th- I think the... Obviously, the cool thing that everybody's talking about this week is Sam Wilson as Captain America. The heroic reveal was so cool. It's been really awesome to see a bunch of posters go up. I saw a really touching story Anthony Mackie was telling about how when his son came with him to see Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame, how his son was like, wait, Dad, are you going to be Captain America? And he's like... I, I think so. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be. And how his kid sat with that for like two weeks and was like, OK, cool. And then one day was just bawling like my dad's Captain America. But I it's, I mean, it's I think, a great video. It's from he did yeah. a little it was a chat with Vanity Fair. I retweeted mm-hmm. it. I'm sure you did, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen it, you can find it on our Twitters. It was so good. It's so good and so sweet. And I mean, I really loved having this series to tell this story really fully because so much happened in Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame. You don't have time to see the full evolution of what that shield means for Sam. And I just thought it was really special that we got this whole series and this amazing opportunity on Disney Plus to see that story told in a really full, really delightful way. So when I was watching the finale, I like jumped out of my seat and and like fist pumped and <laughs> shouted several times like when he shows up in his Captain America outfit mm-hmm. I lost it I was just like it like got me so hyped and then when the title treatment of Captain America and the Winter Soldier came out like at the end mm-hmm. I I again like there were like four or five times during the finale of this series where I Got so excited, genuinely, really, really pumped and hyped for this. And also emotional, like at the end with Isaiah Bradley. Oh, my gosh. That scene is incredible. I I loved I loved how this series really explored. What does it mean to be Captain America? What does that mantle mean in different people's hands? And what does it mean for him specifically to take that mantle? And I just thought it was really beautiful the way that it dealt with different people's opinions of that yeah it was really lovely yeah i i, I want to give like special love and attention to carl lumbly who played isaiah bradley in the yes. series man i i don't know i was just did you not lose it though when uh, you saw him and he like when he throws the box when he throws the box every time he was on screen it was like the earth was moving he was just so good and so captivating 
if you don't feel so many emotions while he tells his story throughout it, like oh, it's oh, shattering, man. Man, 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 man. And also, he's like so buff. I was like, I can see you doing superhero stuff in your advanced years. <laughs> like that's just thrilling because yeah. you don't get to see a lot of older characters mm-hmm. very often have that. And I just thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. Also. Yeah, and of course, huge series for Captain America, but of course, big for Bucky. Watching Bucky through the series and seeing where he starts mm-hmm. and and sort of like the tension that he holds within himself, it's you know, it's proof about how great of an actor they all are. But like Sebastian Stan really embodies the role and really carries himself so so well in the tortured parts, the the comedic parts, the action parts, and. The end when they're all sort of celebrating, you feel that there is genuine joy and relief and hope within them. Oh, man. I also want to shout out Daniel Bruhl, who, of course, played Baron Zemo and brought us some of the most joyous moments in the MCU with his dance party in Madripoor. I just... I just thank you. And honestly, thank you to Marvel Studios and the Marvel New Media team for creating the most epic one hour loop (laughs) if you have not watched it yet there is a one hour loop of baron zemo dancing at the club and hot damn it is so good it is just truly i'll put it on while i'm working because it just (laughs) makes me so happy oh also you know Everybody should be sure to look out for Marvel Studios Assembled. That should be coming this week, this Friday. If you're listening to this on Friday, it's probably up. It's Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Of course, you can watch it exclusively on Disney+, and it's going to show you so many cool behind-the-scenes. There's so many cool factoids and just like really interesting details about the process of telling the story, how it was made, all of those things. So. Definitely check it out. You might even get some like insight into some stuff you didn't notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that they have this Marvel Studios Assembled series mm-hmm. that follows up with each one of these event series on Disney+. Plus. They're great. They're really well told. I love a good documentary, especially about something that I've really sunk my teeth into. So kudos to the entire Marvel Studios team for everything about Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Get ready for uh, Marvel Studios Loki in like a month and change. I know. Gosh. I mean, we all had a challenging 2020 as humans, I think. But 2021 is delivering great joy to us. So (laughs) basically something new almost every week. It's really a great time to be a fan. Sure is. Lorraine, I I don't know if I've told you this. Now that I'm in the house... And I'm starting to unpack. I'm, I'm like getting rid of stuff and I'm finding spaces for things. And I have like all my my stuff and I am finding like, oh, I want to put stuff and display it more. I started buying more toys and it's a bad thing. Oh, it's, no. I know. I, I got hooked on Transformers toys because they have toys like based off of the 86 movie, which is like, do you have a you have oh. something that you watch when you are like sick or feel sad? And like that is your comfort. Well, when I was little, I watched The Last Unicorn 800,000 mm-hmm. times, Yeah, which is still a bop. Yeah. That I movie watched, is awesome. I, it is. It, it's real sweet. I watched Transformers the movie and G.I. Joe the movie, which are both incredibly oh, yeah. sad at points, but also just absolute bangers. So I've been buying a bunch of those toys. But I also, 
am getting deeper into my Marvel Legends collections again, getting those Build-A-Figures and stuff. I just got the whole Age of Apocalypse mm-hmm. line, which has Sugar Man as the Build-A-Figure. Uh, it's <laughs> real, real good. And uh, Hasbro just announced a whole bunch of stuff, including a really, really awesome Captain America Build-A-Figure. So the line is incredible. It's got characters from Marvel Studios, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Marvel Studios WandaVision, and even a Loki from Marvel Studios Loki, which I was surprised to see that in the line. It looks awesome. And you get all these figures, and they all come together for the Build-A-Figure for Sam Wilson's Captain America outfit. So there's a Scarlet Witch, a Vision, a Loki, a Winter Soldier, a U.S. Agent, a Zemo, and a Captain America. And then each of them has pieces so you can build Sam's wings and display and his red wing and all all of it together. I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, that suit, that Captain mm. America costume. Oh, yeah. Marvel Studios did such an amazing job of creating that costume and making its own unique design, but also having that comic book flavor that makes us so happy heck yeah yeah i I love the attention to detail and like the ways Mm -hmm. that they they make it faithful but also make it its own and make it work Mm -hmm. and it's it's damn fine costume and it's sam wilson's costume it is captain america man it rules i'm so excited yeah yeah also if anybody watched colbert this week you probably saw anthony mackie (laughs) playing with some toys showing off some some captain america toys um how cool just like how how fun it must be to finally have the news out in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of having to you know keep it hush hush it's pretty rad all right let's shift gears a little bit talk about the disney cruise line because there were some updates this week shared about the disney wish but i've been on a disney cruise for the marvel day at sea It's awesome. Highly recommend it. And, you know, they're starting to talk about the vacations that are coming in summer 2022. And they have some updates. There's like a ton of stuff. If you go to the Disney website, you'll find all that. But important for us and here on the show, there's going to be some cool stuff aboard the Disney Wish. There's the Marvel Superhero Academy, a high-tech Avengers headquarters where young recruits will train to be the next generation of superheroes with the help of their own real-life heroes like Spider-Man, Black Panther, Ant-Man, and the Wasp. When I went on the cruise, there was a ton of superheroes. There was a really cool like experience mm-hmm. there. We got pictures with Captain Marvel and Black Panther and all kinds of stuff. There's a Walt Disney Imagineering Lab, which is really kind of neat. There's a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, the Marvel Day at Sea, all these experiences. If you are mm-hmm. in the market for a cruise, this is kind of fun because you can do superhero stuff. You've got stuff for like all ages, all kinds of you know, folks in in your family. It's pretty rad. Yeah. And I I really love, you know, if you go on a Marvel Day at Sea Cruise, they have basically a themed day every day or or an evening presentation. So there's really something absolutely different and cool to do every day on the cruise, which is awesome. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to be excited to get their kids out of the house, <laughs> um, doing lots of fun activities where they can hang out and play with other kids and and do lots of really cool Disney stuff. It's going to be awesome. Heck yeah. Lots of stuff coming up. Gosh, there's so much happening. Free Comic Book Day is almost upon us. It's, it's coming this summer, August 14th. So we have two titles that are going to be coming August 14th. Those are Earth's Mightiest Heroes, The Avengers, as well as The Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man slash Venom. 
So those are going to be two awesome stories that you can get totally for free at a participating retailer near you. So go show up. Um, And you can also order copies uh, with your retailers Monday, June 7th. For any of our comic book heads out there, there's got stories by Jason Aaron, Ship Zdarsky, Yvonne Coelho, Greg Smallwood. The covers here are really, really rad. I, I am in love with Ryan Otley's Hulk and Avengers cover. I didn't realize oh, yeah. that I needed Ryan Otley to be drawing the Hulk all the time right now. And it's <laughs> it's dope. He draws a really awesome, awesome Hulk. Also awesome stuff. The Hellfire Gala is about a month away. Yeah. Very excited. Hellfire Gala is going to be all through the X-Men comics. And we got a brand new trailer. The trailer is really awesome. You get to look at some of the fashion that's going to be coming to this Hellfire Gala. I mean, I think people who love comic book fashion and design are going to freak out in general over this. This really reminds me of, you know, a few years back how Chris Anka got really into doing like drawings of the ex-women in as like opera divas or, or things like that. He was doing a lot of that kind of art. And I think that this really embodies that kind of spirit where we're seeing like really fabulous fashion and and different design ideas. If you're an artist also like Wow, you should watch mm-hmm. this because this is somebody just like doing one of those guitar solos. It's like beady 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 beady. You know what I'm talking about? Is that a guitar solo? You know, like squeaky dee 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 like that kind of situation where somebody is like really picking the heck out of a guitar. This is a full solo, so Hell yeah. definitely check it out and and of course read those X Men comics because this is going to be really super cool. I can't wait for people to read the Hellfire Gala stories it's a big deal y'all it's 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 a big one um also pretty big pretty cool coming june 23rd is marvel's voices pride number one and we've been sharing a lot of info about that over the last you know couple of weeks and months uh but we just showed off the variant cover by olivier coipel and it's just awesome it's like just pure joy and a celebration so I posted this, I got the the publicity push for it, and I posted this within seconds because it was my favorite thing that I have seen as of late. It's got a lot of wonderful LGBTQ characters. There's Anika and Io, famously from World of Wakanda, you know, the Midnight Angels, mm-hmm. and they're smooching in front of a rainbow. And I was like, there is a cover that I just never thought I would see and I never knew I needed and I love it a thousand and ten percent so you can go check it out on my on my Twitter or on marvel.com and go get that comic I'm gonna definitely be trolling the shops to get my my variant cover heck yeah May the 4th is coming up next week obviously we're all celebrating Star Wars as we do every year and Lorraine there's a big book coming out next week it's called Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha written by Charles Soule Art by Steve McNiven, colors by Laura Martin. It's a banger. It's really, really cool. Now, your wife, Elizabeth, is a huge Star Wars fan, Mm -hmm. and she is a May the 5th baby. Will you guys be doing your full Star Wars rewatch this year? No. We are going to the Met and celebrating her birthday at her favorite museum and taking the baby to her first time at at the museum. So that's how we're celebrating but i'm sure we'll there'll be star wars involved in one way shape or form okay well i'll do star wars for you guys thank you
All right, more comic stuff. We just wanted to point out that there is a brand new Shang-Chi comic coming next month on sale May 19th. And it's the same team that brought us the recent Shang-Chi series that we were talking about with Gene Luen Yang, the writer. He was on our show a couple months back. Uh, so he's writing this series. We've got art again by DK Ruan. And it's going to be awesome. It's like an action-packed series. Each issue in the first arc will kind of put Shang-Chi against a different Marvel hero. So you see him going up against Spider-Man and Captain America and Wolverine. It'll also introduce uh, a bunch of new villains that are all trying to deal with and sort of stomp on Shang-Chi and his family of warriors, which was one of the really fun things I loved about that first Shang-Chi series that we saw because it put, mm-hmm. put Shang-Chi like as the leader of the five weapon society. And I love the, like mm-hmm. the brother and sister that he's most closely aligned with in the series. Mm-hmm. Really good. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that series is awesome. And it's a great place. You know, this new number one is going to be a really great place where if you have not gotten a chance to really read Shang-Chi comics yet, this is like a great time to jump on the bandwagon and get into a fresh story. Mm-hmm. Also, speaking of Shang-Chi, Simu Liu, who is playing Shang-Chi in Marvel Studios, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, is just having a blast on Instagram. 10 out of 10 would follow. He's just posting so many people coming across those Marvel Legends figures of Shang-Chi choice and all of those things. And it's just the best. Definitely go check him out on social if you are an Instagrammer type. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about comics. I wanted to make a plug for one of my other shows, which is Marvel's Pull List, because uh, we don't talk about it every week, but I have a lot of fun lately with the series. And it's something I want to make sure that if you have any interest in comics, you should definitely be checking out because every week we run through every single Marvel comic that comes out. Uh, We pick our favorites. We give out awards. We talk about what's going on in the book. So even if you're not reading every book, you can kind of stay up to speed on what's happening in the comics in the show. Recently, we had rapper Megaran on, who Megaran was on This Week of Marvel a while back. Uh, we talked about some What If comics, which is really cool. This week, Branson Reese, a like cartoonist and comedian, was on. We talk about Gambit comics in there. I actually talk about Gambit comics for a while. I may not love Gambit, but the comics were really good. So there's a lot of fun <laughs> stuff in there. Um, and we've got a, a ton of great guests. We've got people from Lucasfilm coming on. We've got folks who are working on Marvel Studios cinematic books and, and all kinds of really neat stuff on the way. So make sure you subscribe to that. You can, of course, get exclusive first access to Marvel's pull list on Tuesdays on the SiriusXM app and desktop player or a day later, wherever you get your podcasts. You know what? While we're just plugging stuff willy-nilly, I also want to shout out Marvel's Declassified is widely released now. I know we did a ton of spotlights uh, when we were first premiering on Sirius XM. And of course, you can still listen to Marvel's Declassified there, but you can also listen to it now wherever you get your podcasts. Those episodes are rolling out every Tuesday as well. I, I really hope you guys will check out the show because honestly, it is like a a very premium show (laughs) that we put a ton of work into. And if you want to learn the secret stories behind the stories, it's a great thing to check out. So again, Marvel's Declassified. And if you are already listening, please leave us a nice little review, a thumbs up, a hello, um, because that helps us get found by other people. Five stars, only five stars. Only give it five. 10 out of 10 stars. Yeah, there you go. Or 10 out of five stars. There we are. That's right. 
Right now, we want to take a moment to recognize Marvel Unlimited. Marvel Unlimited is the best way to read your favorite Marvel stories and epic moments with a library of over 28,000 digital comics and counting. Yeah, you can sign up today and you get one year of Marvel Unlimited for just $60 with the code MUSAVE60. The code is MUSAVE60. Yeah, go over to marvel.com slash sale, and of course, automatic renewal and other terms apply. We've got a really big interview block today, a very exciting time to be alive because we have folks from Marvel Studios, The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. We have co-executive producer Zoe Nagelhout, as well as Adapara Odier, who plays Sarah Wilson, and it, uh, they're both delightful. I was only I only did the one with Zoe and that was super fun. She was terrific. Hearing her story about getting to where she is and working her butt off and being awesome and creative is mm -hmm. inspiring and fantastic and she rules. Yeah, and Adapero and I, let me just tell you, we had a little chat about the hello that stopped the world. You know the one I'm talking about, where she's like, hey. Um, <laughs> uh, and that was just so fun. I can't wait for you guys to hear what she had to say about that scene. Yeah, but let's start off with our interview with Marvel Studios' The Falcon and the Winter Soldier co-executive producer, Zoe Nagelhout. Welcome, Zoe Nagelhout, co-executive producer of Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and many other great things as well. Welcome to This Week in Marvel. Thank you. Happy to be here. So the thing we like to always start with with our conversations is get a little backstory. We want to know what is your Marvel origin story? And in that sense, we mean both as a Marvel fan or, you know, how'd you get first into the characters? How'd you learn about them? And then how'd you get started working with Marvel? Yeah, uh, so I, I definitely became a fan. That's what really got me excited. It's, you know, right in my wheelhouse, the kind of movies that I enjoy. But from there, I started reading the comics. I got really curious about where these characters came from and what stories were being pulled from to make these movies that I love so much. And I found an even bigger, more, you know, just as exciting world through, through the comics. And it just compounded my desire to work with Marvel one day, you know, kind of being... The, the dream that I hoped I could achieve one day. So to have started my career at Marvel was it kind of just, I pinch myself all the time. You know? <laughs> uh, and funny enough, um, maybe this is uh, kind of par for the course for Marvel because we, we do have sort of a promote from within environment, but I started as a receptionist and uh, I couldn't have been more thrilled to be the receptionist. I was like, I'm the person who's going to pick up that phone when people call Marvel. Like, are you kidding me? This is so cool. So it was really a foot in the door and a way to meet everybody at the company. And, uh, you know, I, I, was, I went to film school, so I knew I wanted to do more than just be the receptionist. But I was more than happy to fill that role and meet everybody. And one of the people I met was Nate Moore, who I ended up working with. Um, he hired me to, to work with him on Black Panther. Uh, so that was my first, you know, start to finish experience on a, a Marvel movie. And I learned everything from him. And, you know, one thing led to another. And eventually I um, was, you know, given the opportunity to be the, the lead producer on uh, Falcon and Soldier, which is just kind of a dream come, come true. Um, that's an incredible story, first and foremost. I mean, you're kind of in the hallowed halls of Stan Lee at this point, because Stan Lee also basically started out as, as an intern, you know, an entry level job kind of position. But that's such an amazing thing that you two share. 
So you're an executive producer now. What does that mean exactly for anyone who doesn't work in the film business? What is your day-to-day like working on a show like Marvel Studios' The Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yeah, you know, the every project that we do kind of has different phases of its life, you know, from development to script writing to pre-production, you know, obviously the physical production, uh, shooting the movie, and then post-production. And you feel like you're constantly kind of evolving and, and and making the movie all over again, or show in this case. And so my job really is just to be the supportive voice throughout the whole thing and support the filmmakers and the writers and help make it as good as it can be and keep the sort of unified vision across it as we go through all these different phases and things consistently change. So it's, you know, it's always hard to describe because it's a bit of a catch-all, but (laughs) I always think of myself as just there to support the project for whatever it needs. It's really cool hearing a bit of your origin story and sort of the the projects that you jumped in on when you got to be on the creative side. And now thinking about this original series, how excited were you to come back to be able to tell stories about Sam and Bucky and Sharon and Zemo, particularly because of, you know, what you had worked on before? Oh, couldn't have been more excited. I mean, my favorite Marvel movie is Captain America Winter Soldier, (laughs) which is where a lot of these characters really got their start um, or, you know, truly came into their own. So it was just truly, I mean, for me, a bit of a passion project to get to work on these characters and help them, you know, not be in the shadow of Steve and really step out and be your own people and be fully realized people. But I think, you know, because the show is really about identity for each character, it was really putting up a microscope to every single one of them and seeing what they've been through, you know, post blip and, and through the experience of their, their, you know, time at Marvel and redefining them and, and making them real people. So it was, it was an absolute pleasure. It was so exciting to get to be a part of that. There's also so many wonderful characters that were introduced into this series. I love every week going to the internet on, you know, Friday or Saturday morning and seeing everyone freaking out about what new from the Marvel Universe that you've pulled into the show. I mean, Isaiah Bradley, Madripoor, Power Broker, John Walker, Lamar, just so many wonderful characters. What has it meant to you to get to pull from that Marvel canon and to explore those stories? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, I think what we always think about when we're doing these projects is, what can only this show do? What characters can only this show introduce? What themes can only this show grapple with? And so in looking at the sandbox that we had in front of us, there's so many rich and interesting things that the comics built that we wanted to expand upon. So when you talk about Zeno, I mean, that's a character who's tethered to Bucky, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, they have history together that we had to explore, we had to unpack. I mean, we're talking about the shield and what it means today and dissecting it and ultimately passing that mantle means we need to pick it apart and look at it from every angle. So in walks John Walker, you know, there's all these characters that were inherent to this world. And with six hours instead of two hours, we actually have the time to use all of them. A lot of times when we're doing the movies, you know, we end up having to really streamline and, and can only fit so much into the time that we have. So with six hours, it just meant more people in the sandbox that we could play with. I love that. Thinking along those lines, you have six hours as opposed to two hours and working on an original series for Disney Plus versus working on uh, a film. How different does that become for you and the team? And and what kind of stuff 
did y'all learn? Because this is our second series. So I'm sure you guys are like <laughs> finding out all kinds of new things and new ways to do things and, and ways that make sense in new possibilities for what you're doing here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was a huge learning experience. And I think what we set out to do was marry what we do best with the best of TV. And that's where Malcolm Spellman played a huge role in teaching us, you know, in how to sort of break a story over more time, how, how to pace that out, how to use mystery and intrigue to leave people wanting more at the end of episodes. But at, at the end of the day, we wanted it to feel, we needed it to feel like it belonged in the tapestry of the MCU. So when it's on that platform of Disney Plus right next to the movies, you can click between them and you feel like you're entering the same world. There's no dip in quality. There's no dip in how creative and innovative the action is or the visual effects. It feels like the same world, but it is a different sort of process to mm -hmm. break a story over six hours. And so that's where Malcolm taught us a lot. Well, you know, speaking of Malcolm and, and everything he brought to the show, what was it like getting to work with him? And what was your sort of overall idea or inspiration for this series when you first started talking about it? Yeah, you know, I think what we always look for in writers when they come in is, A, do we want to make the same movie? You know, are we all trying to make <laughs> movie here? You know, from tone to, you know, just the, the themes. And, and B, does the writer expand upon that conversation and bring new ideas and new angles to it? And Malcolm was both of those things. He came in and was immediately honed in on the very thing that we all found so fascinating about the end of Endgame, which is Steve hands Sam the shield. And the first thing he says is, feels like it's somebody else's. And Malcolm came in and said, that's fascinating to me. I can relate to that. Let's talk about that. And so I think from the very outset, we had a writer come in with a point of view on the very story that we wanted to tell. And I think from the, the Bucky angle of it, you know, Malcolm's a big fan of these movies and of these characters. And so he was ready to jump into what it means for Bucky to have a new identity in a world where he's only ever been in fights. You know, he's for, for decades mm. always done a fight. So what we were excited about was who's Bucky now? Who's Bucky when he has control of himself again? And so again, like Malcolm came in and just honed in on the two things that we found most interesting about these characters. Speaking of sort of inspiration and, and what goes into Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You mentioned you dove into the comics after you, you fell in love with the movies. What kind of comics you know, like really sparked for you and the team in building this original series? Were there any specifics that were inspiring for you or that you were like, ah, oh, I love this book in particular? Yeah, you know, there's, I mean, there's so, there's so many. I think obviously one of the ones that resonated for all of us on an emotional level was the true spread white and black run uh, that introduced Isaiah. You know, there's obviously a lot to unpack in the conversation of Sam taking on this mantle, or, you know, and having agency in that decision. And that really spoke to a lot of those themes. There's also obviously a great Brubaker run of Captain America that goes across so much storytelling of the shield being passed around and what it means when, frankly, when Steve's not around, like what does it mean for these characters? And, so there were just a lot of great stories to pull from that focused on Sam and Bucky, frankly, in the space of Captain America and, and, and maybe not as much on Steve, which is what we were looking for. You know, it's so interesting because I, I love this sort of theme that you see throughout this entire series about that struggle that Sam has with feeling like the shield belongs to somebody else. And I think 
it's interesting because almost every character is in a similar situation where it seems like, at least from my point of view, that, you know, they're struggling with what it means to be a hero in their own way. And one of the characters I love that does this is Carly. She, I, For me, she is one of my favorite MCU villains to date because she's kind of relatable, obviously to an extreme extent. She's taking her values, but you also kind of see where she's coming from. I think John Walker and, and even Bucky and Sam at times, you know, have that same kind of struggle. And I'm curious what, you know, attracted you to creating so many folks who wrestle with this kind of theme or this kind of heroic struggle. Absolutely. You know, I think what we always took ourselves back to, if we were ever lost or needed to center ourselves or figure out what the story of the character was, was, you know, we're dealing, A, with a post-flip world, which feels similarly chaotic to the world that we're in now. And so it felt relatable. It felt like something we could understand on a human level. We also were dealing with the mantle of Captain America, which was created in the 40s at a time when being a hero meant something very particular. And it meant something very cut and dry. You know, it was, it was punch knockers in the face. <laughs> that was, you know, that was what heroism meant. And now we live in a world that is much more complex in regards to how to be a hero. And so I think what Carly represents is a very specific point of view on not only the mantle, but just on patriotism in general. And she is this person who has often been forgotten. And so she sees this mantle and patriotism as sort of exclusive. And that has been something that motivated her to want to, you know, stand up for and speak up for the people who have been left out by history and left out in moments of crisis and forgotten. So, you know, there's something that we always look for in, in villains, which is that kernel of relatability, that kernel of truth, uh, that maybe their methods aren't so great, but something that they're fighting for is at least on some level understandable. Man, I just wish she could have gotten help early on in the right direction. She would have been doing great things if she would have just been put on a better trajectory. I know. She really, I think she, I would argue, sees herself as a hero. You know, that's what makes it so interesting is that, there, you know, she is trying to do something good in the world. For sure. Yeah, I, I, I think of her more as the antagonist in the in the show mm-hmm. as not necessarily a full villain. Uh, thinking about the, the whole original series together, you know, I think there are going to be a lot of moments and, and bits of dialogue or feelings that people connect with and think about long after they've finished it. Uh, you know, I, I think for me, I keep going back to the Isaiah Bradley moments and how mm-hmm. emotional those are or the humor moments or the action. Like there are so many different things. That's one of the reasons why we love the MCU and we love this the series, what sequences for you or scenes or moments are you most proud of? Oh, I mean, I think a scene that I think I think about a lot and that I, I'm really grateful for how it turned out was actually in episode two, the therapy scene between Sam and Bucky, because to me it captures every facet of the show that we were trying to, you know, achieve, which is it starts with comedy, right? It starts with levity, it starts with the two guys figuring at their best and entertaining all of us through it, but it ends with kind of this gut-wrenching moment of truth for both of them, where we understand what their flaw is at the, at the core of it all. So I, I really appreciate scenes that have, you know, dramatic turns in them like that. And so it's one that I, I do feel very proud of, and I feel like really came together well, thanks to the amazing performances, obviously, of our, our cast. But even as we were shooting it, we went, this is a special scene. You know, there's something really special happening here. 
Well, speaking of shooting the show, uh, you got to work with director Kari Skogland, who, you know, obviously has a wonderful resume, has worked on some really great series, some really action-packed series. Why was she the right woman to helm the show? Yeah, I mean, Kari, Kari's a really incredible person, and, and she came in for her pitch and just, she spoke on the themes, again, that, you know, when we're looking for partners, again, looking for people who want to make the same movie, but elevate it. And, and that's what she did in her pitch. She came in with these incredible ideas about what it means to be a hero and, and the burden of that. And she came at it in a very sort of grounded way. And that is kind of her history. If you look at her resume, she is drawn to things that are sort of rooted in the real world, even if they're a bit heightened. And so that sensibility is, is part of, you know, why we felt she was right for the show. Um, all right. To wrap up. And of course, dear listeners, we are going to get into a little little bit of the spoiler territory, as we've talked about. But by the end of the series, we see Sam Wilson take up the mantle of Captain America. What does it mean for the MCU to have Sam Wilson wielding the shield? I think it means a lot. I mean, it's, it's a new chapter. It's a new, a new legacy. And I think what I hope was accomplished with the show, which certainly was the goal, was to earn that, that chance at that legacy. And I think Sam does that in every possible way. I mean, a big thing for us was for him to have agency in that decision. Yes, he was handed that shield, but he has to decide to pick up that shield. He has to decide that that's something he's willing to take on and all the good and bad that comes with it. So our hope is that by the end of it, there's something really aspirational about it, but it's also, you know, it's also grounded. It's also very aware of the challenges and, you know, he's gone through a, a whole character arc to get there and he's earned it and he deserves it. And so it's, it's, you know, it's exciting to me because we get to see the longevity of the MCU and that, you know, that we get to tell stories that are connected over long periods of time means that growth is important and new chapters are important. And I think Sam having that shield is just the exciting start of a new chapter. Yes. Yes. I'm so hyped. Um, <laughs> the series has been absolutely fabulous we we're about to release you into the wild, but before we let you go, is there anything that you want to say to the Marvel fans listening to the podcast right now? Honestly, just thank you. And and I, I really hope the show brought you joy. I mean, that's, that's the goal. It's certainly what the MCU has done for me. And it's what I want people to take away from everything we do is to feel emotions, to feel hopefully joy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Zoe. It was awesome talking with you. Thanks, Zoe. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. All right, big thanks to Zoe Nagelhout for coming and talking on the show. Lorraine, it's your turn to spotlight another amazing Marvel Studios Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Actor this time is Adipero Odier. Let's hear it right now. Hi! Hi! Adipero, I'm so thrilled to get to talk to you. First and foremost, we like to ask on this show, What's your Marvel origin story? What first introduced you to the Marvel universe at large? Oh my gosh, great question. <laughs> I love that, the way that was posed. My brother, um, my brother, we're, we're a year apart and he was a comic, I don't know where that came from, but he just became a comic fanatic. And mm -hmm. so he started um, collecting comic books. And at the time, Marvel had these like, like trading cards. Oh yeah. It was like, a deep dive into all of the universes. And because of him, I got to learn a lot about, yeah, just taking the artwork and then like the stats on the back. And 
Um, so that that's my origin story, you know, thanks to my brother. He'd be so happy that I'm giving him credit because I usually don't give him <laughs> anything. Yeah, that's my origin story. Same thing for me, too. My big brother, like, introduced me into the Marvel Universe and made me a fanatic. Obviously, that's how I, I ended up here. <laughs> but obviously, I mean, joining the MCU is such a big deal. It's a big, crazy fan base. It's become such a phenomenon. What was your reaction when you found out you'd be joining the MCU? I just took it step by step because at first mm-hmm. when I got a call about it, I just was, I was honestly confused. Like, <laughs> okay. And then you just going through the, you just going step by step. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, you know, cut to, you know, you're on set and then, you know, cut to, I'm looking at the shield and I'm like, oh, okay. All right. This is, all right, this is where we are. Like, I'm seeing, like, the uniform. Like, I'm kind of geeking out, freaking <laughs> out. Honestly, because I guess I'm so in it, it's only through people like you or, like, my siblings who are watching and or, or my friends who are really into, you know, MCU and comics where they're just like, oh, my God, and they're sending me screenshots. I'm like, oh, my, you know what I mean? That I'm able to get that. And maybe that's a good thing. I don't know, but mm-hmm. it quite hasn't hit me yet I don't know how it's supposed to hit me and so and maybe this is like the start of it you know talking about it in this way I don't know we'll see but it's it's pretty cool just because I, I, I've watched most of the movies you know in a very real like and enjoyed them thoroughly like we made like events out of it like yes we're going to go and watch this and so it's just pretty cool that people are going to be taking in something that I'm a part of in a similar way I think it's pretty cool if I really have to sit and think about it Yeah, I mean, you know, they say the Marvel Universe is the longest running narrative in human history from the comics to today. So you're part of that big family now, for sure. When you first auditioned for the role, first of all, did you know you were auditioning for this project at all? And what did you like about Sarah as a character? Yeah, I, I, I had no idea. And you know, <laughs> I'm someone who, as an actor, like, I, I need to know as much information as possible. I need to read a script, you know. <laughs> and they were like, not, none of that was, none of that was available. Like, none of that was available to me. So, you know, it definitely was a leap of faith. And again, it's like, kind of like an exchange. It's like, they have faith in me, and then I have to have faith in them. Because, you know, it's like, you've come to me about this project. And so I also need to just kind of trust trust in, you know, what I have shown up to kind of experience time Mm -hmm. and time again. And then they clearly trust me or they are beginning to trust me with that. And so I just had to lean into all of that. And I don't know, Sarah, what really got me was this opportunity to speak about, to get an inside glimpse of the other side of Sam's character, like the Mm -hmm. home side, you know what I mean? Because yes, he is the Falcon to many people, but he's also more than that he's a brother he's an uncle he comes from a real place um, where real people live and so getting to see that but and at the same time tackle to be a part of this experience of him in proximity to the shield of captain american what does that mean for a black man to be proximity to that you know and to be a character who's speaking on that yeah it was it was right up my alley and it was absolutely (laughs) thrilling yeah you know, you, you said you're the kind of person who kind of wants to, you know, read the script and know everything about everything, which I totally understand. Did you then get interested in the comics? Because I know Sarah, you know, she she only has a handful of appearances in the comics. Yeah. Thank God for the Internet. Thank God. For the- <laughs> 
because, you know, then, you know, maybe if I get a little bit of a glimpse and I can go and people have organized information very well around Marvel and the universe <laughs> and many characters and like the different iterations and like, you know, in this version of, you know, of, of you know, the Falcon, it was this. And, and so I didn't have to go too far at all. And then once I got the scripts, there was already so much imbued into that. And then the combination of that and then working with Kari and then working with Anthony, it just ended up being like super duper full and clear and nuanced. Speaking of working with Anthony, you guys had to build this brother and sister relationship. And I mean, Anthony is like such a hoot as a human being. <laughs> He's just um, a delight to run into on the red carpet or wherever we might see him. What was it like for you guys working together, building that relationship? It was awesome. It was effortless. And I'm so happy that people are feeling, you know, that relationship as a real tangible entity because again it was effortless and I you know I've been saying that you know in combination with you know both of us have large we come from large families so we really understand mm-hmm. that sibling dynamic and then him being generous and talented obviously as an actor and then the story everything the, the story being so like so full there's just so much room you're just you kind of just dropped right in and so you're just already you're already there and yeah and then when you're grounded thanks to, you know, to Kari and everybody, it's like, we're grounded in this world. It's just filled with ease and an absolute joy as an actor. Cause you get to just really play, play and experiment and find things. Cause that's, that's what it's all about really. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that you keep saying grounded cause it seems so appropriate because, you know, obviously Falcon uh, is up in the air, but you know, Sarah is that grounded community that Sam is a part of in the real world. What was it like for you getting to shoot those scenes that were, I assume, on location? Were you actually in New Orleans? We shot in Georgia. Oh, in Georgia. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm from New York. (laughs) I'm a New Yorker. Same. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And so getting to be in just on set, you know, on an actual boat, I mean, obviously everyone involved in terms of like, you know, art direction and you are in it, you are in it. Mm-hmm. And the people, I mean, the picture was so full on the page, but also off the page. And so I'm there, I'm actually dealing with shrimp. I'm dealing with like, <laughs> I'm, you know what I mean? I'm hopping on and off the boat and, you know, it just was, um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's what's so beautiful about, about filmmaking and, and like creating some things like, you know, it's one thing to read it on the page and then it's one thing to show up on a set and it's like, the world is there for you. And it just, it just helps every little bit in terms of like being the most full expression of your character as possible. You know, you're such a multifaceted person. You know, you're a writer and director in addition to all of this. Of course, you know, I was hardcore creeping you on the internet as, is, as I am want to do. But, you know, you're already such a talented filmmaker. Were there any things about having this experience that informed how you'll work on your next projects? That's a great question. Again, I think sometimes people think that, you know, the bigger the projects, the more maybe not intimate, if that's a word, like the more (laughs) kind of like what's kind of important or crucial to storytelling can kind of get lost by the wayside. And working on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it showed me that that is, if I had that question, I don't know if I ever had that question, but it's possible to, to have a big world and it's to still feel intimate and feel like you're on the inside of it, whether you're dealing with like 
superheroes or extraordinary beings or just like, Mm -hmm. you know, quote unquote, like regular people. And I felt that, I felt that it was very much intimate and like the care around story and the conversations that we had around story and character, like even if it's a big, big, big project that there's always, that you can make time to kind of explore those things because it's only going to make the project better. And I got to do that, experience that with this. And so, yeah, it's like, you don't have to lose the essence of what makes making things beautiful and great. You don't have to lose that by exploring something really, really quote unquote big, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that so much, you know, and it really did feel, it feels like you're watching a family. You also get to have two kids on the set. What was it like getting to work with those young actors and building a family? so cute. (laughs) You know, and they're just so like, excited to be a part of like MCU that you know they're telling me about the experiences of like that they love these characters and like what their friends are saying and just to see that like wonder in their eyes and you know and them like trying their best and you know maybe if, if somebody makes a mistake and you know you just say it's okay don't worry like we all make mistakes like, it's it's all good like this is why we do things over and over again and so just to kind of like I can't even imagine what it would be like to get to be in something like this as a child like yeah for me who have been watching these kinds of movies for a long time like I don't know it would be it would be insane in all the best ways yeah it's beautiful to see that through their eyes yeah oh man I get such a kick every time I hear them yell Uncle Sam too (laughs) I'm just like how appropriate genius it's genius (laughs) you know another moment that I think everybody got really excited during episode five that there's like the first glimmer of a moment between Bucky and Sarah, there's like some very welcoming eye contact going on. What was your first reaction when you read that scene? <laughs> Honestly, I was like, okay, we're going here. Okay, I'm here for all of it. You know, just because, you know, when you play characters like this, it's either or, you know what I mean? There's no room for, you know, those kinds of moments. And again, that's what I think this was so great about the story and the where we are. It's like, we're really, we're human and we're exploring all those sides. And so I was completely tickled by it because <laughs> usually for me, it's like either or. And it kind of like, you know, if you watch, I feel like people have been rumbling about Bucky and like, you know, like, you know, cause he was in Wakanda. And so, I don't know, it's just, it's just cute. And yeah, I was, I was very much tickled and like, I was welcoming it. I was like, I'm ready for all of this. Yes, let's do it. Like, get me to the set. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like once you and Sebastian started shooting? Did you kind of have conversations around it or did you just kind of like go with the flow? Pretty much go with the flow. I think maybe, I don't know if it was the first scene that I shot. You know, I think I improv the line where I said, I think I said like hi to him you know, and it completely threw him off. Like the way I said it probably was a little like, hey, you know, like, but, you know, Sarah probably be a little slick or at you know, I don't know, being slick. I don't know. It's just like, and it completely threw him off. And his reaction was awesome. Like he literally was like very much flustered. And so we were hoping that it captured it. And yeah, like things like that. It was pretty cool and fun. It's just, it's just fun. I'm really excited to get to see the internet explode as they watch that episode. (laughs) It's going to be 
chef's kiss all around. Um, Because I, you know, I think a lot of people, they love Bucky. He's such a good guy. They want to see him with somebody who's great. And Sarah is such a great woman. Like, Bucky be lucky, you know? (laughs) Just saying. I mean, it was so great about these. It was like you're rooting for people, and you and you mm-hmm. get to see the the many sides of everybody, no matter where they fall on the spectrum of like you know good or evil. Like you kind of get a sense of why they are what they are and why they're doing what they're doing. And so you know, with Bucky, we we've been able to see like his whole trajectory. And so you know, and what we're seeing in this in this series is like he is trying his best. He is you know, we're all wanting connection and. So I think it's beautiful that they that they're they kind of like tackling that. Yeah, it is. It is so nice. <laughs> We're here for the romance. We stand the romance. Now that you're part of this this big huge world, what do you think is the most surprising thing about working on a Marvel Studios series? I always feel so naive. Like, why am I surprised by certain things? But I remember I I, I called my brother and I was like. I was like, you know what's so cool about Twitter? I knew how far reaching, you know, like Marvel has been. It goes way beyond America. But through Twitter, the way people like all from all different sorts of countries have been commenting on the series and just, so I was saying to my brother, I was like, it's so cool. Like, you know, really people being able to connect with each other from different parts of the world around this project. And, you know, and people like, you know, in the, in the, um, in the rushes that I've been able to see, I'm not a social media person normally, but be, be because of this, I was just curious about what was happening. And it just is really amazing how I became an actor to do far reaching medium, you know, like film and to see it really to be a part of it in this really, really new way with streaming and, mm-hmm. you know, Disney plus in combination with MCU characters that people are invested in and have been waiting for and like the opportunity to expand this story in in this way. I just, yeah, like how many people are being reached and and are really like taking in this story. It's, It's really, it's wonderful. Well, you guys are literally trending like every Friday. It's really wild every Friday morning. But is there any last thing that you wanna say to the Marvel fans before we go? Oh, the Marvel fans are wonderful. Like you guys have created some amazing things on social media. I'm like, I don't know how fast, I don't know how you guys have been doing these things. You know, it's just amazing. And the love, like the love is really, really palpable. And I really appreciate it. The, all the love that people have kind of shown me on social media around Sarah Wilson has been fan. Fantastic. And I thank you. Sarah X Bucky. Let's get it trending. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. It was so wonderful to get to talk with you and having you join us on the show. Thanks. Thank you, Lorraine, my fellow New Yorker. Yes. (laughs) It's a beautiful spring day here. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was so fun. We had such a blast. And uh, we're going to have a blast next week. We're going to have some more folks from Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So in the spirit of that, I think we should ask everybody, spoiler alert, again, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the last episode, what was your reaction when you saw Sam Wilson put on the Captain America costume for the first time? 
I think that's a great question. I already talked about it. I lost my stuff and it was awesome. Yeah. You can tweet us your answers using the hashtag This Week in Marvel. You can email them to twinpodcast at marvel.com or you could send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. Please make sure to tell us if it's quote unquote okay to read so we know if it's okay to read on the show. All right, so it's time for our community section of the show. Our question of the week last week was, what has been your favorite episode of Marvel Studios' The Falcon and the Winter Soldier? And again, we're saying it again, spoilers ahead. If you've not seen the full series, please go watch it on Disney+. Plus. The full series is available right now. Uh, first up is the Kawaii Prince at Colin J., Colin tweets, my fave part of Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, was the Dora Milaje kicking John Walker's butt. Love to yeah. see strong women take cockiness down a bit. Hell yeah. That is my favorite part of the series. <laughs> Schadenfreude for days, baby. I cannot get enough. Simon Williams at Simon Sebs says, uh, when the Civil War movie first came out, I said that Anthony Mackie deserves his own MCU film and goes on to talk about what he hopes to see in the future. Man, I cannot wait to see what this means for Sam Wilson. I think that we all loved having this series that really spotlighted him on Disney+. It's been awesome. Heck yeah. All right, we've got a tweet in here from Tyler Johnson at T underscore train 10. Tyler says, favorite episode of Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is episode six. Getting to see Sam in the Captain America costume was awesome. Hoping he gets his own Captain America movie. Nice to see that Bucky finished his book and Isaiah has a place at the museum. Oh, so mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. Next up, we have Matt, the Marvel maniac at Matt Puke, <laughs> which is the only acceptable way to say that name. He says, episode four of Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier was my fave. Loved the Bucky and Wakanda therapy session, John's poor decisions that you almost sympathize with, and the reinforcement that the Dora Milaje are the most badass women in the MCU. <sighs> super soldiers like i i i like i'm honestly living on it yeah i and i i would even say they're some of the most badasses period in the mcu like oh period. men women alien just any creature whatever they are just you do not mess with the dora milaje period yeah 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 all right tweeting here from movies and series at line aesthetic says episode two and episode five Quote, you got to stop looking to other people to tell you who you are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next up, Louisa at IS21 says, episode four and five. This sequence of events was so good. I loved it. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys know it. Episode four is my favorite. <laughs> Darth MK at MK Darth says, definitely episode six. The introduction of the new Captain America was done beautifully, and the whole episode was filled with emotions. Episode six is something one would call a, quote, perfect finale. Well said. Ooh, I love it. Mm. Sheena for 2109 at F2109 Sheena says, I absolutely loved all the episodes, but episode four really showed the difference between Steve Rogers and John Walker. It reflects on the reasons why Steve Rogers was perfect for Captain America. Gone but not forgot. No. Yeah, it's Steve gets mentioned a lot, but and his presence is there. We've got another tweet in here which says, 
Episode 3, The Winter Soldier shows his badass skills tenfold. That fight scene gave me goosebumps. Also, Episode 6, Captain America's new vibranium wings and suit along with what he did for Isaiah. Fantastic, and I want more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have one from Karis Pollard at a Karis Pollard that says, Lorraine, I just finished listening to Twim and laughed so hard at your outro. Drax packs. Um, if you're not listening to the outro, are you really listening to an episode of This Week in Marvel? <laughs> uh, speaking of outro, here we go. This episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Alexis Williams, Zachary Goldberg, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to John Walker's Humble Pie. John Walker's Humble Pie for when you need to sit down and eat a slice. Mmm, tastes great. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs>